This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Welcome, everybody, to another in our MarTech series. Uh, we have another leader in-house, which is fantastic. I love that we're getting people in here, and and uh, this is another huge leader within the industry. Uh, we have a primo in the house. We have Chief Product Officer Kevin Sowers in the room from a primo. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me, Doug. Oh, I, I, I love having – man, it's great. We have every MarTech company coming in. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, a day like this in Indy, you, you want to be down here. Absolutely. And you guys just moved downtown Indy. We did. Which is great. We did over uh, BMO Harris Building. So we're pretty excited to be down here, feed off the energy that's – you know, every time I'm down here, where I'm from Chicago, but come down here, I wear out 65 a lot coming down here, and it's uh, it's a great place to be. It is. It's a great and and downtown especially, I think, has a different feel and look to it than the other sections of town. So we we love being downtown. And one of the things is, you know, you just uh, every day we wind up seeing some investor or some executive of a Martech company. So it's a it's, it's awesome a hot for city. Us. It's a hot yeah. city. <clears throat> Well, uh, without further ado, we should start talking about a primo and there is a ton of activity happening at a primo. Uh, we wrote recently on the Atom, uh, purchase, which was, uh, you guys added a digital asset management, um, uh, a really high end digital asset. Yeah. Management. One of the top of the world out of yeah. Belgium. Absolutely. Uh, to your, uh, to your marketing mix. And we talked a little bit about the show. Just, um, I want to explain to everybody, carefully because we we always hear the term marketing stack marketing stack marketing stack and and to me that most of the time that's pointing to a maybe an execution stack on on your marketing efforts but not a lot of people are talking about your guys's neck of the woods which might be the most critical for any especially enterprise company and you guys are in marketing performance management um and and I, and it's classified as a marketing performance management platform, correct? Marketing, we use the term marketing operations a lot. Okay. Uh, historically, marketing resource management has been used. Marketing performance obviously has been used. But fantastic. And and uh, I'm going to let you correct me okay. <laughs> through this whole conversation. But I think the importance of that is that marketers are so focused on uh, tools and execution that a lot of times they lose sight of the actual performance metrics. So the, the, not just the performance metrics of, you know, awareness and, and purchase and retention, those are pretty common, but breaking down their budgets and actually figuring out what resources they're utilizing. And this really seems to be the niche that a primo is nailing. Yeah. And that's on the back end post execution, obviously, and yeah. budget tied to it. We, uh, we go all the way front to ideation, right? Marketing ultimately. Um, starts with a plan. Yep. That plan transforms into budgets. That budget transforms into various different people working on content. That content has to be brought together in campaigns that need to be planned for, you know, our average customer at this point has 25 different marketing execution channels they're going through. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> You're getting that to the channels. And then you got to figure out and tie back to the budget and the plan, see how you did along your strategic objectives, how you did along your spend. Right. Um, the best 
way I can term the business problem that that we seek to solve is I was meeting uh, last month with an executive of a uh, consumer facing payments company out in Silicon Valley. And he put his problem like this. He runs at this point in a world where you can segment virtually to one to one marketing and in a world where you have so many different execution channels. He's living in a world where he has to run a 1000 different campaigns per quarter, from plan through execution to measurement, a 1000 different campaigns. Each of those campaigns may run on all or a subset of 25 different marketing execution channels. And he has 200 different agencies working on content to populate those campaigns. And by the way, they need to be translated in 15 different languages. So you can see where the, the explosion of just tracking of what needs to be done of right. allocating dollars gets exponential really fast yeah really really fast and it's amazing how many companies try to handle that complexity on spreadsheets um and for us it comes down to managing four things that every marketing uh every marketing execution campaign whatever term you want to use around your marketing activity is that you need content yep you need funds you need some kind of dollar. There's very few free activities anymore. Right. Um, you need data. That could be targeting data. That could be metadata. That could be performance data. You need people, right? Marketing still comes down to people coming up with what are we going to do? When are we going to do it? The calendaring, et cetera. And the management of those four things, whether it's old school stuff like print, yeah, sure. whether it's today's you know ad tech type targeting techniques, or whatever a kid invents in the dorm room tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> going to need those four things, content, funds, data, and people. Yeah. And then you tie that into insights. How did those four things come together through those execution channels? And uh, a primo stays neutral on the wire on your execution techniques. We want to integrate with your marketing systems. We want to feed this content, funds, and data to the various, you know, powers in some cases and little startups in other cases right. that are going to execute these things and essentially be your quarterback yep. um, for the operation of your entire marketing department. I, there's a lot to grasp there. And I think, <laughs> and, and I think that, that it points to, again, marketers are currently making decision based on maybe the resources that they have and are making assumptions and, we're not good at assuming, right? We're, we're just, I, I think, um, the advent of predictive marketing and intelligence and, and these type of systems that are actually identifying where every resource is being applied is really uncovering a lot for marketers that I, I always tell people when they say, you know, should we do this? I would say, I don't know. You know, and it's probably my biggest answer. And they said, well, you're, you're the expert. And I, yeah, but I need, I rely on systems like this to tell me what's right and what's wrong. And I, you know, I know we could throw up the old adage of, you know, people don't know where their budget spent and everything, but it really is true, especially right. nowadays. Marketers make assumptions and they're really bad ones most of the time. Yeah. I think, uh, Without, you know, without, there is that old adage without which, systems. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we all avoid that old adage because we've heard it since yeah. the days of four P's, right? In marketing, is interesting like that. It's the ultimate left brain, right brain, you know, yep. corporate activity, if you will, right? Whereas you look at other areas of the corporation, you know, whether it be sales, sales management with SFA, whether it be finance and accounting with ERP, 
other, whether it's supply chain, supply chain management systems, other areas of, of the enterprise have formed resource management right. tools and they run tight and yeah, to say logistical. Yeah. Yeah. To say, Hey, I'm not sure where that went or maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't, you know, it's just not, you know, most of the deliveries got there. If you're in finance, that's how you end up in jail. If you're in sales, that's how you end up out of a job. Right. Um, but marketing has to be left brain in this day and age because we just talked about the exponential amount of stuff. You just talked about predictive and AI, which is going to even shift it further. How do I convey a message for a specific persona? It's supposed to be sitting around, sipping coffee, bouncing ideas off each other, putting the marketing calendar up on a whiteboard and be collaborative. It still is dominated by creatives who are sitting there and not worried about what's the ROI going to be on this piece and through which channels are we going to execute it? How do I make a piece that appeals to the person that I'm trying to reach? So it is a beautiful right brain activity, um, which is probably why I don't want to say automating it, but putting a system or record around it historically has been a challenge and one that that we've successfully done in many places, but still opportunity to do in many more. Um, but the funny thing is those marketers, they, they grow up and they get promoted and then they got to worry about funny little things like ROI and compliance, yes. right? And brand integrity yeah. and licensing management, right? Those are left brain people all of a sudden. All of a sudden the CMO is sitting there going, man, I'm surrounded by right brain and I'm worried about these things because right. I'm accountable to the board. Right. Because the marketing budgets have exploded. You can't compete without marketing in this day and age, no matter your industry. Yeah. So as marketing budgets explode, we all know that the left brain has to come in on the people managing it. So now how do you bring the whole ecosystem together? Right brain appeal, right? Because doing your creative and putting things in, you know, those 200 agencies helping aren't necessarily anxious to be going into a system of record that's now going to control their distribution. And so our trick on this whole thing is to design an ecosystem that appeals to all members of marketers, not just the left brain who tend to love us because we're running those numbers and cranking out that ROI and giving reports that can be given to the board and the CEO, but actually get the right brain people on board. That's a big part of our Atom acquisition is, you know, there is a reality when I talk about content funds, data, and people that our content story had to be improved to us. And Primo has had a dam for years built into the system. But dam in this day and age can't be some lightweight content library where, good, there's a place everyone can go to get a logo, right? It has to be, how are we going to integrate with our CMS? How are we going to integrate with our e-commerce systems? How are we going to keep brand integrity across 20 different channels so they're not loading different content or even worse, reproducing the same content at a significant cost. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the key for us is on the on the enterprise side. But just as a dam itself, it puts a softer edge, right? It's the stuff you can do with consumerized UX. You know, we bought a company out of Amsterdam also called Publishing Now. And the stuff that allows them to reach out to creatives and creatives can collaborate while working in Adobe Creative Cloud, organizing pages and assets together and chat and social and all that thing that was the reason we got into marketing to begin with. And it just happens to get consumed into a system record and officially efficiently distributed and then ultimately measured. So that's kind of where we're walking those two sides. It's incredible. It, it you know, uh, I also mentioned beforehand how old I am, uh, but, uh, uh, I don't think you got that many years on me. <laughs> yeah. 
But you you're kind of hurting my feelings when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, back back in the day, right? Back in the day, if we were going to do, let's say, a direct mail piece or a you know radio or a television or a fax, yeah, you were a fax. <laughs> but we knew that we were going to spend a huge amount of money, right? Because our our marketing budgets were split, you know, basically between three you know different mediums. And so the the planning and concern and you know that went into spending that money and then figuring out how we were going to measure you know whether it worked or not I felt like uh, I felt like it was a it was a it was a, a lot more serious business back then well you had to you're paying postage Ab- absolutely <laughs> you know you're sometimes there's four dollars a piece going right. out the door you know you better get those pearls out of running <clears throat> yeah and you're praying for a two and a half percent response, you know, (laughs) and so I, I always tell people that the, the, when digital kind of came, it it all of a sudden became the wild west because everything was cheap. Everything was, was. yeah. And, and I think, I think we were under a ruse. I don't think it was cheap. I think it was really expensive. We just, the, you know, the output cost was cheap, but the production cost was still there. Yeah. And, and so I I love that. I love that now we're putting these disciplines back in action where we can say, you know, even with your example, 25,000 distribution channels, multi-language, everything else. Hey, where did it win? Where, where did we get a return on investment? So uh, there's a piece of me that's really happy that we're pushing the left brain back, you know, into this because it was a really critical, you know, I mean, I remember when marketing was, you know, if one campaign went bad, you were out of a job. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, now it's, now it's, we don't know which one worked. I've been in marketing a long time as well. Martech a long time. I remember, Oh, such a nightmare though. Just funny side story. We uh we sent huge amounts of mailers out for a Black Friday sale. Yeah. And uh someone on the client side made the call to send a bulk rather than the first class. Yeah. And so you can guess where this is going. All the flyers for the Black Friday sales were in the showed No. They showed up like five days after oh, <laughs> So you did. It's nice that digital's digital's great, and now we're talking like old people. Um, Because we've all anyone who's been in digital a long time also knows the horror of that email going out that you easily just miscommunicated to five hundred thousand people. Absolutely. Like, oh man. Yeah. I wish I could take that back. Right. (laughs) Click of a button is dangerous. But it is. It is true. What's What's interesting about what you're saying is, you know, what I do love about digital, and especially the explosion. I mean, I said it before the show. We embrace the explosion of channels. Absolutely. I hope they're all successful yeah. because we're sitting behind the scenes, right? It's a lot sexier to be the marketing executor sometimes, right? Yeah. And show those conversions on the spot, et cetera. And we get that, but there's an important role to make sure that. A couple things you're fulfilling them efficiently and i had a cmo not of an aprimo client tell me that she suspected that they were redoing this a major consumer company in the united states that they were recreating 99 percent of their content per year you're talking video shoots you're talking imagery you're talking licensed right images right so you got that but the other beautiful thing about digital is if you're getting the metrics back it's not let's see how it did 
Because in this day and age, reports are a post-mortem. Yeah. It's about real-time BI and what do I need to do today to shift. Oh, that's great. Right? And we do that quite a bit in our distributed marketing product um, where we work with uh, independent channel partners and local locations for major brands to real-time market simultaneously in 10-mile radiuses across the globe. Um, sorry, went off on a tangent there. But what we're doing there is looking at what's performing overall across the portfolio and allowing them to make real-time changes and deployment on you know sometimes hundreds of campaigns geographically dispersed with localized content and literally hit the shift button on the fly yeah you know change change the great change the tires yeah right exactly and and that's uh that's uh that's that's power Right. With great power comes great responsibility, though. So to your point, it is really easy to get seduced by that. And all of a sudden, you know, ignore production costs, ignore content, lack of content reuse, you know, even lose control of brand identity or consistency, um, which, depending on your industry, can be really dangerous. I mean, we do a lot of work, as you can imagine, in compliance based industries, financial services, pharmaceutical, et cetera, because the wrong marketing message isn't just misrepresenting your brand. It's potentially drawing fines yeah yeah and in the the ire of the social <laughs> yeah even worse get killed on twitter <laughs> yeah, you make one mistake yeah, nowadays exactly. and you hear about it for weeks wow uh, i well you've you've brought us through quite a bit and i should have opened the show with this but it's okay i want people to know um tell uh, our listeners uh, who kevin sauer is and your background, because you have an extensive software as a service background. I do. Software in general, enterprise software and SaaS. Um, well, like most marketers, I uh, was a chemist. I have heard that before. There's a lot of math involved. Well. Well. Um, yeah. But that was Music the 90s. I was working for a biotech uh, in, uh, when I got my MBA. <clears throat> Mostly because, I don't know if you remember how frothy it was in the late 90s, but <laughs> I saw I saw the salaries coming out of MBA and saw what the chemists are making, and I said, "Hmm." I was an engineer, so it was the same thing. Yeah, I think it's like, time for. Why am I studying until <laughs> two o'clock in the morning? And those guys are out drinking beer, and and then they're my bosses. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I got into management consulting and, and quickly drew a technology focus there, uh, and and you know worked my way up at a, a multinational billion dollar plus uh, systems integrator doing really fun work. I was leading the business unit by the end. Um, we had 6,000 developers worldwide, wow. about half a billion dollar book of business. And it was great because we were working with some of the biggest companies in the world doing really complex, hairy system, custom development, configuration type thing, integration projects, you know, yeah. really business transformation, strategic stuff. Of course, you look back on the technology now, this is what, 12 years ago, yeah. like, man, yeah. <laughs> I think I could have implemented that for like one tenth the <laughs> yeah. cost today. Um, but uh, so I was an enterprise software guy through and through. Um, obviously, I was aware of this little thing coming down the road called cloud and SaaS that I'd been hearing a little bit about. Obviously, Salesforce uh, was out there. Um, and then you might have heard about it. Uh, there was a recession. <laughs> I, I remember it. <laughs> yeah, few few people probably do. Yeah, except for Nathan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, all of a sudden, my six thousand people across the world doing that sexy fun work um, became a place to ship U.S. jobs. Right. Um, and while a lucrative way to make 
<clears throat> you're living during a recession, not necessarily the most fulfilling. Um, and so somewhere around 2008, 2009, I have a very, very understanding wife who went to Indiana University, by the way. Um, and she's like, you, you got to quit. You got to stop. This is killing you. Yeah. Um, and so like every person that experienced success in the corporate world, I just assumed I'll do a startup. How hard can that be? Yeah. <laughs> a startup in the middle of a recession. Yeah. But but there's more stories it, about it, people that succeeded that way as well, right? Yeah, you know? it, it ended up working. We, we were joking before the show, startups yeah. usually cost twice as much many, and take many, twice as long. How many unicorns when things were great are, yeah. are under now, right? Exactly. You know, so. exactly. I mean, it worked out well. Um, you know, when we started, I think we were six people and a German shepherd and, you know, just figuring out how to get it done. But it was a distributed marketing company. And what this means is I alluded to it earlier. We help big brands um, at the time, largely in the consumer electronics business. So the Sony's and the Samsung's yeah. of the world um, market through local resellers, independent resellers. And, you know, we were working at a time and, and it was quite an elegant, is it quite an elegant setup where you can go through distributors and pass content funds and data and have that sub distributed to different independent channel partners, um, focused heavily on direct mail, email. At first, we even had, I joke about fax, there was fax automation yeah. for a short period of time when we were uh, servicing a lot of uh, medical software companies as well. <clears throat> um, and then, you know, a few things happened in parallel around 2011. You had an explosion of social. You had um, an explosion of ad tech through Google. Um, and you had a increasingly rapidly by the month seemingly sophisticated marketing ecosystem as outlined. If you look at Brinker's landscape in 2011, it was 150 companies. Now it's 5,000. That was really fortunate. I mean, it added complexity to the to the whole thing. And then uh, Microsoft came out with this thing called Azure in 2011, 2012 timeframe. Yep. And so we looked at all of these things together and made an expensive and luckily fortunate and luckily I had wonderful investors decision to replatform with a digital first focus um, on Azure to get the global reach that we felt we were going to, that it was going to come. And back then, Azure was a little rough around the edges. Yeah, but, I, but they were... Giving it away, so it was a great time. Yeah, to, yeah. Microsoft's been a wonderful yeah, partner helping yeah, it get absolutely. started over the years. Um, they made a good move, and and we built this enterprise software that just you know market leading to this day. Forrester ranked us number one in the category, but granted, it's a limited category that just it allows for us. It allows large brands to take control. We talk okay. about control. It's not let's throw out a few syndicated websites and some social posts and hope that our independent channel partners roll with it. It's how can I centrally control and simultaneously drop, you know, across my platinum partners who sell product X, Y, or Z and we're top 20% of sales last year and historically have a 10% conversion rate. If I have 520 of them worldwide, their average radius target selling radius is 25 miles. So I simultaneously want to drop a six step nurture campaign to both known contacts and data that I provide to them while targeting known audience members on Facebook mobile feed within a 20 mile radius while doing Facebook retargeting and targeting um, on sel 30 select sites on a 50 mile radius while simultaneously controlling search results in a five to 10 mile radius, <laughs> right? Believe it or not, all those things 
you can do it with a click of a button, yeah. virtually a click of a button through our platform. So it's powerful stuff. What we also learned was really important. You heard me talk about left brain, right brain. Uh, in doing this, that is extremely important, what we're applying to our Primo and applying to Adam, the Primo Dam now, is you can build the most sophisticated software in the world that does amazing things that you never thought could be done. But if it doesn't engage the user in this day and age with an appropriate UX and make it simple, yeah, it ain't going to work. Right, You need engagement of your user base, and that's the challenge of marketing. Now, I already lived that challenge with independent channel partners right. who are even harder to engage than marketers. Right. But you have to have a system people rally behind because the grassroots is too strong. It could be the best system idea in the world, and the grassroots will resist it, and implementation will be slow, totally engagement, agree. and time yep. of value. So combining that left brain enterprise sophistication with right brain user experience, real time BI, you know, have the system tell me something that I should be doing when I log in. I can't imagine not logging in and being in the dark. Um, <clears throat> I grew up with a phone in my hand, so I should be able to log in without getting training and go yeah. to town. Those are the tenants that we're applying um, as we bring a Primo and Adam to a SaaS world. And well, as you can imagine from my background, that's the key thing we're doing there. We're bringing these guys SaaS, we're bringing these guys UX. And we, we all know, right? You know, you talked about the growth of, you know, the MarTech industry and that there's a hundred more getting built in a garage right now somewhere. And, uh, and I, I totally agree with you. I, I feel like, you know, the, the interesting thing that I've seen over the last few years is, Definitely the solidification of the marketing. Uh, like I, I, I've noticed, like I read CB Insights and, and um, you know, they've talked about MarTech investment has dropped significantly. And, and the interesting thing there is I don't think that it's dropped. I think that what companies did was they went up and they bought all these different pieces and none of them talked to each other. Yeah. None of them had the user interface design. They frustrated the heck out of their customers that thought, you know, hey, I thought you were integrating this, and now I feel like all of them are really busy trying to get everything working right. Meanwhile, though, these guys are coming up from the bottom, you know, and starting to scoop up some of that market. And yeah. and so if I was one of the, the huge guys, you know, like a Salesforce or an Oracle, uh, I'd be petrified, you know, right now. I'd um, look at your user counts, yeah. right? I mean, that's ultimately user yeah. counts don't lie. And uh, systems can be used and still survive and license fees paid sure. because uh, a core group of left brain power users yeah. are keeping it running so that Jack, yeah. right? You know, even the execution When well, you're system. integrated, you're integrated so deeply within an organization sometimes that, you know, it, the pain of using it is is greater, is less than the pain of leaving it. <laughs> But, you know, a lot of these, we talk about execution versus the challenge we face, and that is bringing the ecosystem together. So right. we need to appeal to a broad user base because we have those 200 different agencies. See, and I, have all those I love that. I love companies that are looking at this and saying, let's be vendor agnostic and let's yeah. figure out how to make this work. Because, I, you know, that, that whole vendor selection process, when we're working with companies on that, we map out their processes. Right. And then we identify what are the solutions that could meet. Cause we know, just like you said, we know that if we bring a, 
a world-class solution in that doesn't match their process, that the chances of it actually being successful is very low. You know? But then I would also ask how many users, even in the process, do you need? So if you implement Salesforce Marketing Cloud or you implement Marketo or Eloqua or a DMP, Rocket Fuel, whatever it is, how many jockeys do you actually need? Well, that's right? a great question. And and the reality is probably less than 10 yeah. hardcore users. Yeah. Right. And and so they can be successful doing that execution chain yeah. because you can have those 10 users that know how to have ride that horse users. well and power it to show conversion. That's a great point. That's a great point. I know I know the day that we became successful at Exact Target when we were using Salesforce was the day that we got a Salesforce administrator. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's what these up and comers are trying to take advantage of, right? It started with Slack, which obviously isn't a marketing system, but people liked it, yeah. right? And so you have these lightweight SaaS startups with beautiful UXs, yeah. right? And they're departmental solutions, right? And they'll help and you can get these people to work together and lightweight workflow and, you know, maybe some annotation sharing collaboration. <clears throat> and it may feel like you solved it. But it doesn't actually solve. Right. You, it's made it a little more efficient. Yeah. It's made it a little yeah. more tracking. But when you start saying, I need an audit trail, I need to do this enterprise wide, I want to make sure this department isn't duplicating what that department right. did. I want one picture of a smiling baby next to my product, not 10. And I want that same picture to go out and be used again and again across my website, across Twitter, yes. across my email, across to my customer support emails, because now we're seeing people with five different email systems. Yep. Um, it becomes yep. a lot hairier a problem yeah. that, quite frankly, isn't going to be solved. And it's everyone's natural foray is to, you know, instinct is to swipe a credit card and buy that collaborative tool that some person used at the last job there. Shiny thing. Yeah. Um, and it is beautiful. But it doesn't it doesn't fundamentally shift spend. It yep. makes people's lives a little easier, but it doesn't fundamentally fix the challenge or the win that a CMO is going to be fired or lauded over. Yeah, that's absolutely great point. So so moving forward for for folks that are listening, um, a primo, if you haven't been to their site and checked them, please, uh, the resources there are incredible. Aprimo.com, A-P-R-I-M-O.com. The kind of organizations that you guys are really making headway into that when they implement and they begin to measure and they're seeing these incredible results, what do those companies look like? We're, I mean, our historic footprint and where we want to be going forward, um, A, they overlap, but yeah. B, we want to, we've opened it up more with our SaaS solution to, to be there. So a Primo historically services, you know, I'll, I'll say at the top of the top, the best, the biggest, you know, I think five of the six top banks in the U.S. and, you know, seven of the top ten in the world. Um, financial services were big. Most of the big pharmas were at um, in consumer uh, we're, we're pretty big and in technology industry, we're big, especially through revenue, um, or primo distributed marketing. Um, but you know, it's always dangerous. I'm the product guy. I know all the customers. I'm tempted to rattle off yeah, the top yeah. companies in the world, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't have my marketing person here to tell me which have signed NDA yeah. and which haven't or allow us to talk about them and which haven't. <clears throat> so note to my part marketing people. I, I finally followed some rules. 
Um, <laughs> we have a we have a data center client. It's the same thing. They they have in, intense security and and everything else, and so we can't ever talk about their clients. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm picturing the smile on my marketing department's face when they hear yeah. this for the first time, and they say, "Wow, Kevin actually followed a rule." It's good. It's always dangerous to allow a product guy to speak uh, uninhibited. Um, but you know, so obviously, if you're in financial services, if you're in consumer, if you're in uh, pharma, and if you're in technology, you should be having conversations with us because we, we've done it time and time again for the best companies in the world. Um, we are moving. We historically were an on-prem installation or a cloud single tenant hosted installation. Um, and, you know, in a lot of cases, heavily customized um, yeah. by partners such as Accenture and Capgemini and all, all the usual suspects. Um, and, and what we did, you know, it's worth noting uh, when I say we, uh, Marlin Equity Partners acquired a Primo from Teradata uh, on July 7th of last year. Um, it was a big headline and it was a fairly major acquisition. In a much smaller headline on that same day, they acquired Revenue which was oh, the company I was Congratulations. With. Yes. So much smaller headline. And, and their mindset on that, you know, we obviously, we had a lot of overlap of former Primo executives at, at Revenue, including our CEO, John Stammen, um, who played a big part in growing a Primo yeah. from startup to successful exit in 2011, I think, 2012 to Teradata. <clears throat> but part of that mindset was our SaaS mindset. You know, the yeah. price points we're able to do to deliver enterprise technology at a more consumable price point, um, flexible, growing up in a world of Azure, growing up in a world of digital. You know, we all those uh, factors coming together that I mentioned before is what prepared our team well to uh, partner with what it was already an amazingly strong engineering team and, and product leadership team at Aprima. Uh, obviously, there's been some shifts and changes. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we set out that first day and we told all our customers the very first day last July, we're going SaaS only. Yeah. And we didn't off with the Band-Aid. Yeah. Um, and, and that has been received warmly. That's yeah. the focus of our innovation. You need to be, if you're going to focus, if you're going to have a world-class platform in a world where software is coming out on a daily basis. Right. Right. In a world of continuous development that's occurring at most top software shops, you better be focusing all your resources to make sure your product is absolutely leading edge and yeah. innovative. And we had that added <clears throat> challenge of we couldn't just be fresh face SaaS and build and hope it worked and not have tight testing. We live in a world of, you know, information uh, security and compliance, yep. GDPR and in Europe and and a whole set of new regulations in Australia that's come online. You know, we live in a world of infosec. And so right. you have to be enterprise class. You can't yeah. you can't have a oops slip yeah. up moment. Yeah. Um, and to take care of all those needs needed to be SaaS. Yeah. You need to focus on one product set and then don't get rid of what made you special. And that was the heavy customizations. Yep. I think I mentioned, I started this story build, with you earlier. That flexibility. I was yeah. with a customer, you know, one of the first customers I visited in a leading company out of Silicon Valley and they went through their 25 customizations with me. And I sat there and my jaw was on the ground because all 25 were brilliant. Yeah. They were brilliant. They shouldn't have been customization. Right. They should have been in the product. Right. And we had that conversation 1,100 times last year. 
And of the 1,100 customizations that this team identified at all our customers, we identified about 40% that had to get and be serviceable out of the base product. That's awesome. And so the number of innovations coming online this year has been explosive. Yeah. So we've lowered the TCO of the platform. We've increased the innovation. We're redoing the UX. We've added BI capabilities. And we've transformed it to a Azure-based SaaS platform that allow us to not just service the Fortune 500 anymore, right. but start servicing a broader swath of customers. Now, is Bob's Pizza Place going to need a Primo? Probably not. Right. But if you're a customer of, you know, you have a marketing department of 20 or 30 people right. or higher, you're getting to the point where those FTEs cost money. Absolutely. And managing on a spreadsheet is not an option. Right. You could laugh that the big survivors of Martech <laughs> have been in design in Excel. Right. And so that's what we're that's what we're working with. Still definitely well, enterprise customers, but a CMO, an IT department that takes ROI pretty seriously. Well, and the, and the great thing with that is, uh, and I truly believe this and I've seen it hundreds of times, is that uh, it's not a. You know, you say that you've lowered the to- total cost of ownership, and but what you're getting out of that TCO is you're also getting speed to market, in- okay. intelligence uh, with your spending. So everything that a marketer needs to succeed is available for the investment. Right. And and that's I think a lot of a lot of people miss that nowadays. That we're finally at an age with digital transformation and technology you know, transformation that, um, when we're talking an investment, we're literally talking that, you know, you're not waiting 10 years for your enterprise, you know, system to pay off anymore. Now it's your next campaign, you well, know? Yeah. And, and I appreciate you Doug, cleaning that out for me because I was assuming as a given yeah. that you would have want the benefits of a, but people office. don't, people look at, Oh, another system, another bill. Oh yeah. And no. instead of saying, no, this is a system that can absolutely help us become more agile, speed up our processes, get more accurate results, set expectations and meet them. You know, I, I mean, that's get yeah. get rid of the stuff that's not working. Keep the stuff that is. I mean, that those are the things that that every marketer is struggling with. So this is the this is the system that can do it for you. You know, twenty years ago, you could still find CFOs that hadn't implemented financial ERP. Right. You know, but five years later, the idea of not having ERP, you might as well just be fired as a a CFO. You know, probably 10, 15 years ago, 10 years ago even, you could probably find some VP of sales that hadn't uh, implemented Salesforce automation. Right. Right. They were still out there. There are plenty of them, actually. Yeah. Now, if someone's interviewing for SVP of sales and they don't have any experience leading adoption of Salesforce or equivalent dynamics, got to get that in there for Microsoft. Um, <laughs> you know, forget. You're right. And CMO is going to be the same way. If you're a VP of marketing, if you need to survive this digital age, believe me, in five, 10 years, whether it's a Primo or another system, if you haven't implemented operational control yeah. and measurement of your marketing organization broader than just clicks and conversions and page views people are going to be like that's not the type of executive that i want leading my marketing department and i'm not saying that's right this second but i'm saying 10 years from now we're going to look at it like sfa for sales and the erp for finance 
I want to end the podcast right there. Okay. <laughs> that might be the strongest, you know, uh, point of this, uh, for everybody to take that, that, uh, you just nailed it. Kevin, uh, I can't, I can't thank you enough. And for everybody listening, obviously, uh, go to a primo.com. Um, they, they, you know, you can request a demo there. You can contact them. They have a marketing maturity assessment, uh, through their site, uh, quizzes, uh, resources, everything that you can think of. And, uh, and I would highly recommend that people, um, educate themselves on, on these systems. It's absolutely going to be just what you said. You know, if, if you're looking to be a, a leader in the marketing field and work with a, a medium to enterprise size business, you better have this under your belt. Absolutely. Thank you so I much. Appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, anywhere where people should follow you personally online or, you know, my Twitter account's somewhat inactive. So I'll, it? Just, I'll just, uh, you must be living a happy life. You know, again, I have a bad habit of getting myself in trouble. Um, so I'm going to just refer people to a Primo and a Primo Twitter. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks so much, Kevin. The MarTech Interviews podcast is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.